Hey guys, welcome to the last three digits where we're talking about money and everything in between. Because they would have come to your 400 pound birthday dinner. I don't ask for much. What do you mean, bro? <laughs> like, it's just one day a year. Yeah, fair enough. Friday's a school. Oh, when people are Saturday's Hakkasan. And Sunday we go to Miami. Because girls are usually gassed by the, the, the middle amounts. And this is probably why girls don't go for a higher salary. In Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Welcome everyone to the last three digits. My name is Bolasol. True, it's Nigo. True, it's Nigo. No, it's <laughs> we have a special, special guest today on this episode. Would you like to introduce yourself? Um, sure, thank you. So my name is Tamer. I'm one of the um, senior accountants here at Awesome UK. I'm an accountant. Um, I've been an accountant since 2015, um, but I now focus on the e-commerce side of things. And yeah. Cool. Um, so what were you doing before you became an accountant? I tried quite a few things. So before, obviously, I was studying. I was in college and uh, trying to get my accountancy degree. Uh, before that, um, I was in uh, back home where from Pakistan. Yeah. And, and there I tried many businesses and stuff. Uh, some succeeded, some flopped, uh, mainly flopped because I was quite young then. Um, I came here, studied, and then, um, yeah, continued on, on my journey of being an accountant. Nice, nice. And what, I, just out of curiosity, what takes you from, like, an accountant to senior to being a senior accountant what is the what do you find personally is the difference I would hope of course the pay but what else <laughs> um I think the main difference is that as an accountant your main focus is to get everything done right so which is one of the most important part you get your accounts your taxes your books in place make sure you're providing the right advice you know the knowledge and you're getting it done before the time and following all the deadlines. Uh, as a senior accountant, your uh, my job is now to make sure that that's done in the most effective and efficient way. Um, and also to bring out the knowledge that is not currently available. So for example, uh, like let's say e-commerce, when we started on this journey on e um, awesome, yeah. um, there were accountants there, but they were not uh, really specifically uh, understanding of this new segment, which is e-commerce. So as a senior accountant, it was my job to bring in that knowledge into Awesome and show how it's done. Um, uh, so as a senior accountant, it's an overview, uh, but it's more value-added um, items rather than just doing things itself. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. So of course we have many many listeners who have their own businesses and sometimes we do get questions we'll be taking some questions on next week's episode as well but we do get questions and I think many people don't really know where to start so um what at what point do you think someone should look at becoming a sole trader well, uh, when you're trading in the UK and you're starting your own business, uh, working for yourself, there are two uh, legal um, structures, sole trader and a limited company. Yeah. Um, if you don't do anything, if you don't register yourself for a limited company, if you don't actually go out and uh, fill the forms, then you are a sole trader by default. Um, and the way it normally works is that you, you get a leniency of a thousand pound in a year, which is from April to April. Um, if you don't earn anything more than a thousand pounds, you don't even need to do anything at all. Um, as soon as you have made so your what sale, was the amount if you make uh, one thousand pounds. 
£1,000, you don't need to. Okay. Yeah. I was confused with the 12,500 limit and what that, um, what is, what that is connected to. So there are, there are a lot of allowances out there and, and this is where obviously you have to figure out which one is more applicable to you and you're not losing out on it. So £12,500 is a personal allowance that is allocated to every single individual in UK. Um, when they earn uh, if uh, any money, if they earn less than £12,500, you don't pay any tax on it. But what I'm talking about, the £1,000 is how to legally identify your business. So as I said, you know, there are two types of identification, sole trader or limited company. Um, if you don't do anything by default, you're sole trader. Uh, and as soon as you start earning thousand or more than thousand pounds as revenue, then you are a sole trader. Now you need to do sole trader registrations as well. Um, in an essence, sole trader is just about you handling the business all on your own as a forefront. You're the face of the business. You are the business and you're doing the business. So everything is on you basically. Okay. Um, so um, you mentioned sole trader. Obviously, the other natural, um, that obviously alternative is limited company. So, like, what is a limited company, and how, as an individual, um, that's maybe like a a creative, like let's say somebody who's a musician or or a content creator on Instagram, or maybe a contractor or somebody who's selling cakes. How do they accurately identify where to be in between sole trader and limited company? Okay, um, and I think that's one of the most frequently asked questions I get as well. Um, the answer to that is simply what's more beneficial for you. Mm. Um, uh, being a sole trader, as I said, you know, by default, you are that and you have to do registration for that. But you can opt in to become a limited company if it's more beneficial for you. What I normally say is to if you're already, if you have just recently started a new if you're a new business, then just stick to sole trader. But as you grow do transfer yourself over to a limited company. And, and the reason for that is um, sole trader, um, it's quite easy and straightforward. There's not much declarations you have to do in terms of accounts. Whereas a limited company, you have a lot of paperwork compared to a sole mm -hmm. trader. Mm -hmm. But one of the main aspects of it is that, uh, as I mentioned, sole trader, you are the front page. You are the main person who is liable for everything, to do everything. Whereas a limited company, when you create a limited company, you make a separate legal entity. Now, again, you might have heard this phrase a lot of time, but what it actually simply means is your limited company is the front of your business. Um, anything that happens, your limited company will first be answered or questioned, basically. And then you're at the back front handling or managing that business. So a very simple example, if you do a business and uh, you're, you know, you borrowed the stuff, but for whatever reason, your business did not go as well as you thought. Now you owe people money. As a sole trader, um, the banks, the people who owe you money can come to you personally for your car, for your house, for your personal assets, because you are the face of the business. Mm. Limited company, you created a separate legal entity. Uh, they will uh, come to the legal entity do whatever they can with that, but they will never come to you personally until unless you haven't done any fraud. So there's an added layer of protection with limited company. And that's what? where it mainly differs. Um, is there any um, cases that you've seen where you're like, wow, this person really should have picked limited company or vice versa? Do you have any examples from your experience as being an accountant? Um not to an extent where things have gone really bad. Um, fortunately, I've not mm -hmm. seen any of my personal clients that, mm -hmm. you know, have gone bankrupt and now, you know, they have lost their house or something. But what mm -hmm. I have seen is that if 
they have gone bankrupt, then they have taken out more loans to pay off this loan and then pay off those loans personally. So the, I have seen that the, the intensity of it is that they have to take a personal responsibility and for years pay off that debt. Um, whereas if you if they were a limited company, then they would have probably liquidated whatever assets were in the business. They would have sold that and taken whatever they could have taken out of it. Oh, okay, okay, fair enough. And I think you kind of went into the advantages and disadvantages of both options. But um, Nigo, sorry, I didn't know if you were going to say anything. Brain just went black. Um, <laughs> oh, what was I literally about to say? Oh, my brain just went black. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. Um, for, so, for, so obviously, assuming that someone's just started a business, you've got, let's say, person A started a sole trade as a sole trader, person B started as a limited company. Do you think it's essential from day one for them to get themselves a good accountant, or do you think it's something where you know they could just go go as they please for like a year or so, see how things go? What do you think? Um, I think uh, I will answer that in three different points. So, so first is the finances, right? Is it uh, what's beneficial? Uh, does it help you financially? Is it less costly or more costly? Um, if you start a, an accountant from day one, uh, you will pay them either monthly or you will pay them one annual fees, right? Uh, and majority of the accounting firm have gone to monthly now. So you will pay them monthly fees and they will do everything for you from day one. Um, this will be a standard fees. The other option is you go to an accountant uh, a month before your deadline. The accountant will not only charge you a premium because he will now be doing your last 12 months worth of bookkeeping in one month. Uh, they will also charge you extra money for doing the work all in one time and, and for the agency as well. So you might end up paying more than you could have, right? And the, the second part is the value out of it. If you're an accountant from day one, you can ask them questions. You can ask them technical stuff. You can actually see your books and see how your business is actually doing. Going to an accountant very last day, you have not achieved any of that. And the last one is basically um, if you find a really good accountant in your own domain, like e-commerce or, you know, whichever industry you're in, mm -hmm. um, like music and stuff, then the value that you get out of it is a lot more than what you pay. So what I would say is you don't have to get an accountant on the day when you thought your idea of your business. But as soon as you see that you're, it is a real thing and it will hit and you will get clients, get an accountant on board, use them as a partner rather than just doing some of your books. You spoke about... Um... Why, yeah, I want to know why are accountants now looking at things monthly because, um, and this isn't to shame my accountant, but he doesn't do that. <laughs> he, do, he doesn't do that. And I put it to the back of my mind until we start talking nine months in out of 12 every year. But um, yeah, why are accountants now looking at things on a, on a monthly reporting basis? The industry is changing. Uh, it's going to be completely changed in a few years' time. Basically, everything is now being automated. So uh, I, I remember my time from um, when I initially, my first accounting job, uh, we used to get boxes of worth of invoices and we used to literally sit down, uh, alphabet them, ABC suppliers, and then manually enter them on the system. The current place I'm working in, um, in last year and a half, I've not touched a single invoice. Everything is automated. Everything is on the system. So because we are reducing a lot of manual work and everything is automated and the time is reduced, we are now able to provide more valuable information. So get so look at this. Um, you get 
a monthly management report of your business, showing your profit and loss, showing your sales in which country, how, how which product and you know which supplier is your main supplier and how much you're making each per, per supplier uh, or per customer, right? Using all of this information, you can make business decisions. So imagine you, you think you're doing marketing and spending any pound in a, one pound in market gets you five pounds extra. Um, is that actually happening in real time or not? Mm-hmm. So this is what a monthly management report can get you rather than waiting for nine months and then finding out actually, you know, that marketing never worked for me. So the more real time information there is, the more beneficial it is for you. And that's what the accounting should be rather than just getting the paperwork done. So a lot of accountants are now trying to figure out now that things are automated, how can we provide more value? And that's how they're doing it. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So, you, you work for a company right now, as you just said as well, work for a company right now that, that almost aims to simplify things for the accountant. And I want to say accountee, but I'll just say client because I don't know if accountee is a word, but um, <laughs> um, for the accountant and the client, Almost like Sh- shouldn't poets know words? Yeah, they should. <laughs> Do you know any words, this you? Because you. Yeah, you've you, you work for a company that to me is almost like the Uber of accounting, or like um, it's kind of like yeah like, do you want to give us a bit more like details on that basically on who you work for definitely so uh, it's, it's it's called awesome um it's, it's spelled differently but it's awesome and what they're mm-hmm. doing is that they're a fintech company which means they're a technology company that focuses on finances and what they're doing is is definitely going to change the whole way of our basic understanding of bookkeeping and the industry they're automating the whole thing and and my job is there to figure out how it's done in the most accurate and accounting um, yeah, prospect so if you come as a client, all you do is simply just log into us, tell us exactly what is happening, and we will take care of everything else. You, we, we won't ask you to come and explain us every single detail of your business. We take your transaction directly from your bank. So imagine you go out today and you spend something. We will know immediately that what you've spent your money on, and we will try to reconcile it. Sometimes we will ask you for invoice if it's a material item. The invoice can be sent us to us a very simple strip. You can just take a picture on your phone and send it to us. So it's a very informal way of doing accounting uh, and bookkeeping for you. And then plus, obviously, you get this 24-hour chat system where you can literally talk to us like, um, you know, talking to a friend about your accounting and bookkeeping. So we're trying to change the whole dynamic of how it normally works. Rather than calling up and asking for an appointment and then paying for that, you have a chat system. You can simply speak to your accountant. And obviously, as I said, everything else is automated. So... Yeah, and, and they have achieved this through numerous, uh, you know, trial and errors, and now they come to a perfect solution, which is working well for us. I can't even lie to you. That was, that was a good pitch that made me consider changing my account. And I'll be like, <laughs> yeah, I can't laugh. Oh, this sounds kind of efficient. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. Yeah. Sometimes I'll be questioning my account, and like, mm, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, because the manual process these days, it just, it for me personally, I don't feel like it works because as I said, I put it to the back of my mind till the last minute. But um, with all these automated systems, where do you see like the future of accounting? Or no, where do you see like the future for accountants? Like if someone is, I don't know, 18 right now and they're like, I want to be an accountant. I Okay, so I work for an insurance firm and based on how I interact with the accountants, I question because of technology, how like how suitable or how sustainable is it for people to enter the industry now at a young age and to become an accountant? 
I think um, when I was coming, uh, trying to become an accountant, I had the same question as well. And, and I believe back then there were quite a few articles that were published, like, you know, the AI is coming, accountants, especially the bookkeepers will become redundant and it will all done by AI. But working in this company, I realized that that is actually happening. That uh, it, it has happened, right? It is happening at the moment, but it has done a good thing for the industry and especially for the students because uh, now our focus will be changed a lot more from being an accountant that just used to do numbers. Now we are actually getting involved into business strategies right. and yeah. how actually businesses work. So it, it's, a cha- it's a dynamic change for an accounting industry, but in a very good way. Um, like, you know, accounting was never an interesting job. You know, doing numbers day in, day out wasn't the most fun element of your job. But now that's changing. Like myself, um, when I came to Awesome, I was coming in as an accountant. But since I've joined, I've got involved in COVID, Brexit. I've done tons of videos on how the new EU system works, how Brexit works. Understanding all of that and trying to implement all of that has been really exciting for me. But I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was so busy just doing entering invoices into the system. So this change has definitely made really good help for the students as well. And they can do a lot more than just data entry. Um, I want to ask you a question, like, what made celebrity? Sorry? Would you say you're like the first accountant celebrity? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. I might be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need to claim that. You need to put that on your Facebook or your Instagram or your LinkedIn. Yeah, I, I, try, I, I tried my own TikTok channel, so I've, I've got 26 followers, so hopefully that picks up. I'll, yeah, I'll, well, yeah. <laughs> we'll, 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 get that. we'll get that to 1,000, don't worry. But I'll ask you, um, what made you um, choose accountancy? Like, how did you get into accountancy as a, as, a young, as a young man? Did you fall into it? Was it something you always wanted to do? Like, what was it that made you end up in this career? Yeah, so when I came into UK and my, my degree was in international business management, okay. um, two years and uh, one year after into the degree, I requested to change over accountancy. And, and one of the reasons for that was when I looked at the accountancy modules and see what they actually entails and what actually I'm studying like business management was all about just how to manage a business where accounting was all about seeing the numbers and actually using them to predict the future and see how the future will work out for your business and and I've seen so many other stories where you know um, you can literally change or make a business so um, and my background like my father was an entrepreneur in the UAE the way and he was um, you know one of the successful businessmen and I know that he used to really focus on his numbers as well so it's something that came through the family as well so overall it was a mix of few things that helped me decide to go for accountancy as someone myself so um I'm I'm currently uh doing my ACCA or ACCA um in fact this used to help me sometimes with it actually yeah. Uh, with the little free website because we ain't paying for books over here <laughs> but, um how long did it take you so obviously you've graduated from university um you've got your accounting degree which i don't know which course you took but obviously it admits you from doing certain exams um how long did it take you to to fully qualify like just for like a young accountant watch well, why am i lying for me blood i want to know <laughs> no, no. so look uh, i have examples where i've seen um my friend's qualifying within a year and a half doing everything from like uh, uh, level one to final acca i've seen my manager in my previous job um i, I don't think i should be naming him but uh, it, uh he, he was not able to complete one of the modules for seven attempts 
but he got it done on his sixth, uh, eighth attempt. And obviously, you know, it took him a long time. So ACC is very different for everyone. Um, uh, I am currently an ACC finalist. So I have one exam left. Um, but I have a degree in uh, applied finance and accounting. Uh, and then I got moved over to ACC and I got one exam left, which I'm hopefully attempting soon. It is difficult, uh, especially, uh, you know, I have a young uh, kid uh, born this year. So this is my first baby, full-time job and doing ACCA. It's, it's too tough. But the point is, that, as I said, I've seen examples. People are doing it uh, at any age and at any time. And once you get it done, um, your life will be different in terms of your professional life. So don't, um, I don't know what your level you're on, but just keep on going. Give maximum one or two examples, I think, because it's done every three months now, right? Yeah, and get it out of the way. Is there anything that you have to maintain? Because I know when people do um, their CFA, they have to sort of maintain um, like a particular position and keep going. Is there anything with ACCA you have to keep maintaining? Like, do you have to do maybe exams every, I don't know, five years? Or is it that when you are um, a chartered accountant, that's it? Yeah, so uh, let's start from the beginning. So when you're a student, when you start ACCA, um, from your first pass, you get 10 years to complete the whole um, ACCA. But when you get to a professional level, uh, um, which is the last four exams, um, when you pass the first one, you have another seven years to pass the fir- uh, to pass all of them. So in an essence, you have like seven years in total to pass the whole ACCA. Um, uh, in terms of experience and stuff, so you need three years of pre-qualification experience mm. uh, and two years of post-qualification experience altogether to become a fully certified chartered accountant with ACCA. So it's a long journey. It's almost, a, almost five years worth of experience that you need under accountancy to, to become a fully certified chartered accountant. And after that, um, every year, you just have to attend the, the yearly training on, on the CPA and you can maintain your um, position. But it is a long journey. Having said that, um, even though I haven't done my post-qualification two years experience, I'm, um, I'm working with awesome, you know, I'm fine. Um, it, it, it works well. That you only need that if you actually want to open your own firm and start signing off accounts with your name on it. But mm-hmm. you can work for any big company um, under corporation and providing them not core accounting, but, you know, financial information and financial advice uh, without worrying about it too much. Have you got like a biggest fear as an accountant? Like what if, or have you ever had a moment, like, I'm not going to ask you if you've messed up anything, but have you ever had a moment <laughs> where, because sometimes, you know, you leave your house and you're like, wait, did I bring my keys, et cetera, et cetera. Have you ever gone to sleep and been like, oh, wait, did I put an extra zero or less zero? Have you ever, or, or what is, either what is your biggest fear or have you felt that fear before? Um, I would say, I think that's every other night for me. <laughs> <laughs> as, as an accountant at a senior position, you always worry that, um, my biggest worry is that have I made sure that all of the deadlines have been met. Like 7th of, 7th of every month is bad deadline, right? And we have about, you know, 70, 80 clients to, we are doing bad for every quarter. Have I done all 70? Uh, so, so that's one of the biggest worries. But the good thing is if you have systems and robust systems like, you know, awesome CRM system and client management system, then you can rely on that, right? Um, and in terms of the numbers and stuff, everything is now automated. It's very unlikely, like in the old days, that you know you can put an extra zero. Um, you cannot do that because the system is so robust. You know, accounting is all about debit and credit. If you put a zero in a credit, then uh, the system will not let you put another zero until unless you do it manually. So with the new systems, it's a lot more relaxed. But again, you know, with any profession, 
you have to be careful. Would, would you argue that the new systems has made it a bit easier? The new system? You mean? Like systems, you, do you think it's yeah. made it easier? A lot more easier. Um, there is an argument. So I, I was having these debates with one of my previous bosses, um, and he still literally makes accounts on a big piece of paper, and he draws a line and he does debits and credits. And I was like, come on, man, you need to change. You need to come to the new system. And he, he's like, look, you all you the young generation are doing through the systems. You have no uh, basic understanding of your n- natural debits and credits because uh, the system is doing it for you. And for me, you know, <laughs> I know my basics. So I, we keep on be- arguing back and forth that, you know, his, his base are strong and minds are weak. But I'm like, look, I know more, probably more difficult things than you. So mm-hmm. you know, there's always this argument that goes back and forth. So interesting. I think that's in like everything in music um, and everything. When there's like new and then there's the original way, people always argue for the original and then people argue for the new. I guess it always just comes back down to what, what works for you, what works best. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a second sentence I was going to say, but I can't remember it. So well, um, I'll, 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 oh, go on, go I mean, sorry, go sorry, go on. Let me see. No, it's gone, brother. Um, no, I was going to, I can't even remember what I was going to say now. Sorry. <laughs> no, this is tragic. And what I was going to say is, um, oh crap, I can't remember. No, I'm joking. What I was going to say is <laughs> for, for young people like that have businesses, uh, why is awesome like a good thing for them to look at? Why, why, how would awesome help like young entrepreneurs? Because especially, you know, during the pandemic, loads of people started off businesses at home. And quite a lot of people are doing real making income that they probably didn't think they're going to make in their first six months, twelve months, and they are starting to make it. Why is awesome a good option for these people to look into? Well, the simplest answer is the support that you get. Um, look, when you come to awesome, you know, um, you're working from home, you're busy doing your business, you're trying to find the best supplier for yourself. What's the best strategy for yourself? And all of a sudden you have now you now have a question that you're not able to Google it, right? You don't have an answer. You don't know a solid answer for it. All you can do is open up your phone, go to an awesome chat and speak to your accountant. It's that simple, you know, for you to get support on your business journey. Moreover, it reduces every other task for you. So if you go to a traditional accountant, you know, they're doing a great job, but they rely heavily on in you providing them the information so they can do the bookkeeping. Whereas here, we are telling you what information you can provide us and what information we can take automatically. So, and we connect to all of your platforms so you don't have to, you know, keep on sending and doing the baby work for us. So providing all that support, providing all of that automations, your life is a lot more easier. Uh, and especially the e-commerce side of things, like when, when Brexit happened, we were at the front, forefront, every community we were engaging with. I literally spent hours and hours explaining people how they can continue selling in Europe without you know, getting a financial hit. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go and talk to an accountant, they'll probably charge you hourly rate for that. And we were literally doing this on YouTubes, on, on live webinars for free, just to help the community back for supporting us. So there's a lot of support. There's a lot of automation. And you know, we are up to date with our information on what needs to happen. You mentioned doing um, content on YouTube and how do you feel about being part of a company from a public perspective? So obviously you're an accountant as well, but you're now hopping on YouTube and um, yeah, and being very public, putting your face out there. How does that feel? Um, uh, again, this is there's a very small, interesting story about this. So I think in 2014, I published my first YouTube video um that was about uh, me being a, a tech reviewer um uh, and uh, the 
introduction happened and it's just coming soon and it's been seven years uh, the coming soon hasn't happened but when i came to awesome i was able to uh, use this interest of mine and um, to being a, you know speaking for public and, and sharing that information um i think it, it basically helped me do what i wanted to do um from from a long time but that's me personally like we have a, we have people we have accountants here obviously who are not doing that and you know who want to keep it private who want to stay and just do their job then you know they have that option it's awesome for for me as a working place is really great because it helps you with whatever you want to do okay so you kind of put yourself forward for this yeah uh, yes yeah <laughs> cool cool and um, I think one of the things I want to know is like, what are the tax implications of being a sole trader versus um, a limited company? Um, okay, so as a sole trader, um, whatever you have earned, you will pay a, a certain amount of tax on it. So let's say you made uh, uh, fifty thousand pounds worth of sales, all of your expenses were thirty thousand. You're left with twenty thousand pounds in a year. That twenty thousand pounds, you will pay all the income tax involved in it. Uh, with a limited company, um, there are quite a few other options. You can get other people involved into your business. Like if, if your family members are doing work for you, you can put them on the payroll. Um, there are more certain expenses that you can claim. So slightly uh, tax efficient for uh, big businesses. And it has uh, uh, more tax uh, um, reliefs as well. So for example, if you get dividends out, uh, from the business then you get the first two thousand pounds free uh tax free and then you pay the rest uh, at 7.5 percent so if you're working in a company your personal allowance can go from twelve thousand five hundred pounds to fourteen thousand five hundred pounds if you're taking out dividends as well so like oh these are the nitty-gritty but overall um uh, a company is more tax efficient than a sole trader okay so another thing sorry with the salary what's the maximum salary that you um, someone could maybe potentially take out per month as well for their business um, maximum in terms of uh, tax-free or maximum yeah, that, yeah that's tax-free either a year or um, per yeah. month. so I think the figure is at the moment is 729 pounds a month so that's the national insurance threshold oh okay for some reason I thought it was 750 but I guess where where that starts to become a problem for people as well is when they want to buy a home I do notice that as well. That's where it gets quite tricky. How do people get around that? Because, you know, I, I know a lot of people who are self-employed who are like, okay, I want to get on the property ladder. How can I do it on the basis that I, I run my own company? Look, a bank will prefer a limited company over a sole trader. And the only reason is that if, um, you know, you don't pay up, end up paying your mortgage um, and you're a sole trader, the bank will have to come to you and the bank the house that you're living in is already bank's house so they can't take anything from you um, when you're a limited company obviously they can liquidate the limited company so banks uh, investors lenders they will always prefer a limited company but the question that you asked about you know taking minimum salary and then rest dividend how does it work um, i have faced this with a lot of my clients if you're taking out small salaries um, and then you're taking a rest dividends bank will ask you uh, tons of more paperwork um, they'll ask you for your last three years of worth of uh, accounts and your future projections. So you have to produce a lot more paperwork for the banks to provide you lending for your house. Whereas if you take out good salary, which you could, you know, from your limited company, you can take out any salary as long as you're making enough profits. Um, when you take uh, and you are consistent with them, then the uh, mortgage is slightly easier. Yeah, because I was even thinking about kind of uh getting a first property for someone who has a limited company and I know many people basically I felt like you needed 25% as opposed to 
five or ten percent, five percent being if you do the help to buy, or ten percent if you just do it the normal way. I, I think one of my clients just took it out at 10%. Um, I'm not 100% sure from the mortgage point of view. I What I can tell you is the paperwork need, that is needed because I normally do that, right? If someone comes to me and asks for a mortgage, then uh, I'm, as an accountant, I'm producing all of the paperwork for them. Uh, but what I've seen is that they've got an application for 10% as well. Okay. Cool. So um, does uh, are we going to say something? No, 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 Um. Man's got art in the background. Go on, this is. But um, oh, oh. <laughs> but yeah, as yeah, cool, cool. Sorry. So, how much does so? Let's say, for instance, I'm a young person, whatever. I'm working a nine to five, but at the same time, I'm a creative. I'm a YouTuber. I'm whatever, whatever, whatever. How much does if I've so got basically a... me? Oh yeah, basically this is yeah. No, 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 basically you. He's asking you um, if you can help him commit tax fraud. And I was about no, no, to say no, that's, that's because it's bad for business. No. I'm joking, I'm joking. Content, haha. Come on, guys. Let's say a young person is working and uh, has a limited company. Does their salary as an employee impact um, the taxes they have to pay as a limited company? Do they pay separate taxes, basically? Or joint, or no, they're they're all connected. Uh, Every tax is connected to Mm. each other. The only difference is when you pay the tax. So the timing of the tax is different. Um, Otherwise, everything is connected. So the the rule is that in one year, between sixth of April to fifth of April of a year, you have twelve thousand five hundred pounds as a minimum that you can earn without paying any taxes. Now, this twelve thousand five hundred pounds is for every income you have including your payroll, your business income, or any other income like inheritance income, whatever it is, basically. Um, If you're working and you're getting your monthly salary from your nine to five job, weekly, monthly, what happens is that you pay tax on spot. So your boss says, you know, I'm I'm, going to pay you 30,000, but he only puts 25 in your bank account because he took 5,000 pounds for taxes and paid to HMRC on your behalf. Then you have the side business that you're doing and you're making profits on it. You don't pay any tax until your year end. So 12 months later, when your errand happens, you on your tax return, on your tax form, you say you earned this much salary, you paid already this much tax, and this is your income from your business. Uh, tax me on this. And that's how it works. Okay. Did I you? Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, another question. I want to ask you a very random question, yeah? So as an accountant and people, and people you've seen in the business, what is the craziest thing any of your clients or any of your friends, clients, or your companies, people have tried to expense. For example, like I've seen um, in the previous company I've worked, I've seen one of the senior managing directors try to expense a £30,000 client meeting when they're buying 7,000 bottles of champagne. He tried to expense it as um, client entertainment. Um, so, <laughs> I put it on my next expense. <laughs> yeah. So, what is probably the what's some of the most outlandish or weird things you've seen people try to claim expensive anything? Um, all right. Um, I, th- I think one of the weirdest one I've seen is um, it wasn't weird. It was just a misunderstanding, probably. But I, I don't know how how they were, their mind was working with it. But mm-hmm. one of the clients, and this was long, long time ago, a few years ago. Uh, they paid their college tuition fees um, and they wanted to expense it in the company, which was about, I think, uh, 18,000 something. 
And it was really hard for me to convince that it doesn't work like this. That <laughs> come from your personal pocket, not from the company's expense. Um, but yeah, I think that was one of the weird. And and you know, regularly you will see people trying to claim some purchases which was done for another business. Um, but that business has gone flopped, so they want to claim it in this business. That that is a very normal norm. Uh, people mm. trying to do that. Um, but yeah, obviously you have to stop them from doing this. Okay. And do you suggest uh, people keeping up with um, their accounts weekly or is it something that people should look into once a year? Um, I would definitely say more regularly, um, daily, weekly, monthly, um, because the more accurate you're and more up to date you're on your books, the more you know about your business. Um, like, if I give you a simple example, your monthly or weekly management reports can give you how much you owe to people. Right, your, your supplier invoices, your um, invoices to your employees and stuff like that. Um, and it also gives you how much people owe you uh, and how much cash you'll be getting in the next few uh, days. A difference of that is basically how much cash you have available to spend. And if you know that, then you know that, yeah, you know, yeah, can you get to your next supplier or not? Or do you, would you need to take out a loan or something? If you don't have any of this information, you're literally going as and when, or you're trying to maintain an Excel sheet somewhere. Um, so the more regular you are, the more business uh, things you know about your business and the more you can make uh, decisions on time. I hear that. So what's, what's like some of the most common um, mistakes that people make uh, when they come to you or, or misunderstandings that people may have of you as an accountant? Do you ever get asked to do things and you're like, this, this isn't how it goes? Or do you ever get asked things and you're like, not again, um, this is just a common, I don't know, uh, I think the most common thing I get is, well, my accountant friend told me this. Um, so I always get, if I'm trying to tell them, man, you cannot expense this. This is how not it works. Uh, they go to someone uh, or a friend and the friend says, nope, your accountant is wrong. And then they come back fighting me. You know, my friend said, uh, <laughs> um, so I get that a lot. Um, uh, and Google has become a friend of them as well now. So Google, always, uh, they Google something and they're like, nope, this is what I'm reading. So I have to then spend a lot more time going to the official websites, HMRC, and you know, go to mm. the references. And but but the good thing is, one thing I've realized with with uh, a lot of business owners is that once you give them a reference, uh, you know, this is how it actually is, then they're okay. I think it's a bit of a, a trust issue that you know, when you go to an accountant, you know, for the first time or new accountant. Uh, there's always a time period where it takes you a bit of a time to actually trust them and start working with them. And, you know, and you get to a certain stage where whatever the accountant says, that is it. But it takes time to get to that stage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basically you're saying you build up these bonds with them and then I guess the trust leads to them understanding you've got their best interest. Well, to be fair, you even, even though you've got your own interests at heart, your own interests include doing the best job possible. Because yeah, the be the better job you do, the better reviews, you know, the more business that may come, and just the less the less headache and hassle. Really random question, yeah. Is it um, is it different? Is is being a, a, an accountant does it take away from family and and social life? Like, is it difficult to still? Because I assume a lot of your work you take home, or do you switch off as soon as it hits five thirty or the weekend, or is it like your weekends are, are taken away? What, you want him to come and say. Yo, I don't work very hard at all. I just get <laughs> off at five. Well, sometimes four thirty. I have a great life at five. No, he's not going to well, say that. Because you know, he might. He might just. Some people, like for instance, a lot of people I know have a lot of friends in in their in their industry. 
So he might just say like, oh yeah, my my timetable is terrible, but me and my accounting buddies just link up at lunchtime or I don't know. Do you know Wait for the answer this evening. Like. <laughs> the, the, the first, the simplest way to think, look, it's, it's, it's seven o'clock already, right? And I'm here still working. So so that, that would be the start of it. <laughs> But I think when you have a passion to off something, you know, you, you put in more efforts in it. As I said, you know, uh, my first bond was last year. And and then this was my first, uh, this was my, so as soon as she was born, uh, two months later, I, I started this job as well. And um, this was a new company uh, back then. So it was a completely new startup and a lot of processes and everything needed. So initially I had to put on a lot of, time into it you know weekends uh, overnights none of that mattered to me Uh, but now that hard work has been put into place now we have a system you know um, I am there um, uh, that hard work has paid off basically and now I am there I'm doing this after working hours but I like doing this um, so that's why I'm doing it but then I get time off as well to spend with my family as well so initially any place not only accountants you have to put that effort and you have to build that reputation like you know i'm well respected in the whole organization not only in uk but in singapore in, in different countries please talk your talk yeah, keep going. Yeah. No, no, the point i'm trying to make is that when you work hard when you put in the effort not just by nine to five but go an extra mile you get a return for that as well later on yeah you get the return it's always good obviously congratulations um on your first child amazing yeah definitely um Everyone that I know that's, that's had a child says they, they almost get like this new lease of energy, like to to work harder. Did you, did you have that? Yeah, that and then obviously she didn't let me sleep for the first for a few months, so I didn't have any option to just <laughs> work. <laughs> what else should I have done? Congratulations, that's a, that's a massive deal. Um, I wanted to kind of kind of go back to the expenses. I know we touched on it a bit, but for some people who don't know what some expenses are and um, what can be deducted um, and what is classed as an expense. Could you let us know? Because clearly you said tuition fees isn't one and um, client entertainment varies. <laughs> but um, it would be good for you, for you to talk about um, from an accountant's perspective, what actually, what, what actually counts as an expense. Sure. Um, I think one simple sentence on that is if you are spending money, which you would have not spent if the business wasn't there, so if you know, imagine you're doing an online business, uh, you know, buying and selling goods, you're now traveling to buy goods from a local shop, you wouldn't have taken the journey if you were not doing this job, um, then you can't claim that. So now you're doing this journey because of this business, you can claim that money back in a certain way. So anything that you're doing because of the business, that expense can be claimed back. The only few caveats are entertainment because entertainment, again, you cannot put a cap on it. You know, you can keep on spending on entertainment and keep on mm. saying, you know, this is business related. So that's why there is a cap on it saying uh, if it's client related, it's a no. If it's a staff up, up until a certain point, you can. But everything else is mainly whatever your business is. But to give you some specifics, so... Uh, if you're buying products to sell anything that you buy you can claim it back if you're traveling for work to different clients not a normal travel to your uh, office but you know meeting a client and stuff all of that can be claimed back if you're working from home there's a small um, um, amount that you can claim six pounds a week but mainly any admin stuff your accountancy fees your so you know if you have solicitors involved their fees all the salaries everything can be claimed back just keep in mind that if you're only spending this money because of the business. If it wasn't there, you wouldn't be spending this money. Mm. Of course, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. And let's say, for example, somebody, they they dip 
every now and again, maybe between their debit card and their business card, are they still allowed to, you know, show those transactions as some business expenses? Yes. Um, so accountancy is done on a cruel basis, which means invoice basis and not actual cash basis. So as long as you have paperwork to say that this was all the spent from a personal bank account, but here's an invoice that is named to my business, you're okay. Um, but what you cannot do is spend money from your business and then don't have any uh, paperwork um, and spending the money from your personal card, it will be hard to basically justify that. That's fair to know. Oh, for some reason, Nika. So, so let's say, for example, right, uh, my friend wants to know, yeah. So he's he's at Does your friend's name begin with N. I'm not too sure, you know. I'm not oh, too sure. Okay. I think it's four letters, but I can't remember. Okay. But let's say you're at home, you're um, you know, you're working hard, it's business hours, and you go to the shop for a little MMs, just a pack of MMs, yeah. Pay with your card. Can I expense that little 69p or no, you can't. Um, my, you know, some of my clients keep on asking me um, you said anything you would have spent because the business is there well I spend my lunch money I wouldn't have done lunch at this place if I wasn't here for a business trip sorry you can't the lunch is your personal expense the snacks is your personal expense okay so I can't put the gaucho receipt on that so you can expense lunch to an extent for business purposes. You can if you're on a trip, so not on your yeah. office. You went to office and you're having lunch there and you want to expense that. But if you went on a business trip or to meet a client, then there's an allowance of, I think, £15 lunch and £25 dinner. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, I get it. I get it. Okay, cool. The other postcode in my area is, is across the road, so <laughs> I'm for the food. Mm-hmm. And when it when it comes to set, like, how does someone, let's say, uh, an entrepreneur has a business, and maybe that's what they do full time? How what is the best way for them to go about saving if they are giving themselves a salary of seven hundred and twenty nine a month that covers ni contributions, etc., and dividends um, up to the first two thousand? How does that work? Uh, sorry, so how do they go about savings? You mean? Yeah, like, would you would you do you have it? You know, it doesn't have to be a rule of thumb, but do you have any tips to give on how someone can go about saving even if they have their own company? Um, look, when you have your own company, it can go really good. It, you can start making a lot of money if you have a really proper system out and then you can start getting a lot of money in. And with a limited company, when you take out salaries and dividends, you still have a lot of money sitting in your bank account. So it's very tempting and it could be done in a way that, uh, you know, if you don't control that, you can start losing it as well. Um, So whatever you're taking out as salaries and dividend, having said that, keep some money away from you for your taxes as well. So create a separate account. So a lot of my clients do is profit first system, which is basically when you receive your sales, you start distributing uh, the money into their uh, different accounts so that you're saving them in those accounts. So someone will transfer VAT into a VAT account, tax into a tax account, and it sits there. They don't use it for their personal use. Um, so you can, there, there are quite a few things that you can use, but what my tip would be to just make sure you know what your spendings are for the next year and make sure you keep that in a separate bill and use the money that is only yours money. Cool. And sorry, last question. So a lot of people want to, um, I've had this question a lot, as a rule of thumb, maybe what percentage would you put away for tax? Because some people's income, of course, businesses income, it varies month to month. I'm sure a lot of people in e-commerce have the same issue. What would you suggest they put away into a separate account for tax? 
See, th this is where the monthly, weekly and daily bookkeeping is really important. So if you are doing your daily sales reconciliation and your expenses as well on spot, uh, at the end of the week or month, you will know exactly how much net profit you've made. And it's very simple. Just a 20% or 19% of that goes to corporation tax. Keep that aside. Whatever is left behind, you're going to take that out as dividend. Keep a 20% of that aside. And that's it. You're done. That will be the perfect solution for you. But if you don't have your regular bookkeeping, then you can only make an assumption. And the assumption would be I'll make 200000 in next year. Um, 50000 will be my expenses. 150, 19% of $150 should be your tax. Um, but you see the, the, the caveat, the difference here is that one is a very accurate figure, uh, a future prediction, and one is just assumption on based on your circumstances. So, so last last question. Obviously, so VA, VAT, I think you start paying it uh, at 85? 85, yes. 85, yeah. So, but it says, yeah, apparently, apparently, my friend read this, I didn't read this. It says that you can voluntarily pay it before you reach 85 why would you do that like what is is that what why yeah why you can, you can volunteer register before eighty-five thousand pounds you can register from day one so let's say you incorporate today next day you can register for that and people will do that to claim money back from hmrc um, and the way it works is so let's let's understand what that is you sell you charge that on it so if you sell something for two, 10 pounds you charge 22 pounds extra and you keep that money to pay back to hmrc so that two pounds needs to go to hmrc on the other hand, you pay your accountancy, you pay for your stock and you pay one pound. So what happens is two pound minus one, one pound goes to HMRC. If you reverse that situation, you're not making much sales, but you're doing a lot of expenses. So you're getting a lot of input VAT and uh, you're not getting any from the sales. Uh, so that input sales can be claimed back from HMRC. That's one situation. The other situation is, you know, the different types of VAT rate items. So if you're doing bakery, um, you can sell it for 0% and you don't charge any VAT on it. But everything that you're buying, you're probably paying VAT on it. You're paying your accountants and everyone else VAT on it. So again, you're not getting any sales, but you're getting all the purchases. You can claim all of that back from HMRC as well. Yeah. And uh, there are quite a few other examples on it. And I know my current clients are doing all of this. So that's why accountant will advise you based on your business circumstances to register for VAT. Nice, nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, let us know. Go on, big up, awesome, big up, awesome. Tell us, tell our audience where they can find out more information, please. Sure thing. Um, um, I think the best is just just Google awesome dot com. But um, uh, O S O M E O S O M E dot com. Um, but I believe that there are uh, promotions going on. If someone comes through your references, I think they're getting um a hundred pounds off uh, the first bill. And obviously some reference consultations as well. So please feel free to mention um, your name if you're coming through um, this podcast. Um, but again, um, don't hesitate to just go to the website and give us a call. Um, you know, even if you uh, want to just find out something basic and similar, we can always help you with it. Uh, you know, we're, we're not there to just grab everything we can get, but, you know, give as much as back we can. Mm. Okay, brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on. You know where to find us, The Last Three Digits. We are on Twitter and Instagram, and we will see you next week. Blessings. Sure. Bye.